This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Kalal Agar de Perka of uh, Kugarn Hills, New York, and Agar de Perka Bechol, Mekaimais Shehem. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We have a fantabulous subject this morning. Really something uh, extraordinary. Um, Parsha Shmini. And Parsha Shmini speaks about the Karbanas that were brought on the eighth day of the Miluim. And of course, the first seven days, the Karbanas are recorded in Parsha's Tetzaveh. And Rashi in Parsha's Tetzaveh makes note of the fact that the Par which was a chatas chitzayna, a chatas that its blood was sprinkled on the Adar Mizbeach, this is the only carbon chatas chitzayna which is burnt and not consumed. On the Pasuk and Tetzavah, v'yes besar ha-par v'es o'iroi v'yes pershoi, tisroif ba'esh michutz la-machaneh, chatas hu, Rashi says, tisroif ba'esh lo'i matzinu chatas chitzayna nisrefes elazu. We do not find any chatas that is burnt on the outer Mizbeach. We don't find any chatos brought on the outer Mizbeach that is consumed in fire and not actually eaten, except for this. This is an anomaly. There are many anomalies in Parsha Shmini. This is one of them. Namely, that this carbon chatos is not consumed. That's what Rashi says in Tetzaveh. Rashi in Shmini, likewise, in our Parsha, makes note of the fact that the, the power that was brought on the eighth day, V'yas HaBasar, V'yas Ha'ar, Saraf ba'ish michutz la'machne. Rashi says lo imatzinu chatos chitzayna nisrefes elazu. We do not find a carbon chatos chitzayna that is consumed by fire except for this. Vishal miluim and the carbon miluim that was brought in the seven days of the miluim v'kulam al piadibor, and they were all gezeres hakasov that they were consumed by the fire and they were not eaten. So this is certainly worthy of our attention. Why is it normally a carbon chatas is eaten, and yet this is a carbon chatas chitzayna, both the carbon brought on the first seven days and the carbon brought on the eighth day, and it was not eaten. And I know you've had a hard time sleeping for many, many weeks because of this question, just by the look on your eyes and the drowsiness that you look like you're experiencing. That can only be explained by uh, not knowing the answer to this question. So... Um, I appreciate that you came today, and Be'ezus uh, Hashem, after this year, you'll be able to sleep more peacefully. Comes a Chizkuni, Reb Chizkiyot one of the great Rishonim of Provence in the 13th century. We don't know too much about his personal life. Um, and his commentary on Chumash was called from about 20 different Rishonim. He usually does not quote his sources, and he did that... Um, philosophically, in other words, this was his shita, because he felt that if he's going to tell you where he got the information from, you will judge it by its cover based on who said it. Um, and instead he'd rather that you judge the information based on um, based on um, based on the content and not based on the 
the cover and who said it. Anyway, the Chizkuni actually asks that there are a number of other exceptions to this rule, that a chatas chitzayna, which is normally consumed, it was burnt. For example, not only the carbon in Parshas Tetzaveh, not only the Karbonus in Parsha Shmini. However, if you look in, uh, in Parshas Bahaloischa, the second par of the Levium that is mentioned in Parshas Bahaloischa is part of the inauguration of the Levium. And in Sefer Ezra, the goats that were brought as Karban Chatois, the 12 goats, those were all burnt as well. And in Yechezkel, the Parchatos Laasud Lavoi, these are all Chatois, Chitsoinios. And they're all nisrafos, and they are not neachalos. So basically, at the end of the day, we have five exceptions to the rule of chatois chitzonios that are burnt by fire and are not consumed. Number one, the carbon parmiluim of Parsha Tzatzave. Number two, the parmiluim of the Yom Hashmini. Number three, the second par of the inauguration of the Leviim in Parsha Bahaloischa. Number four, the carbonos in Sefer Ezra. The twelve chatois in Sefer Ezra, and finally the par mentioned in Yecheska that will be brought la asilavai. These are all uh, nesrafais and not neachalais. And the Chizkuni is troubled. Why Rashi didn't mention all of these? Rashi only mentioned miluim, so he could say that all of these karbanos are miluim. The second par brought by the Leviim were a miluim because they inaugurated their service through this par. And likewise, the karbanas brought in the days of Ezra, and the parchatas lasudlava eromiluim. And therefore, when Rashi says, Vishel miluim, Rashi refers to all of these karbanas. When Rashi says in Shemini, Vishel miluim, miluim, encompasses the Miluim of Tetzaveh, the Miluim of Bahaloischa, the Miluim of Ezra, and the Miluim of Yechezkel. And the question is why? Why were these Chatois burnt? Well, the Chizkuni starts off by saying, he says that Kvar Pirish Hatam Beparshas Tetzaveh Beparshas Tzav. The Chizkuri in this week's parsha says, I already explained it in Tetzave and in Tzav. Now we don't really have anything in Parshas Tzav, so our last resort is what the Chizkuri writes in Parshas Tetzave. And regarding that, the Chizkuri says, why were the Karbanos burnt and not eaten? Says the Chizkuri, Hoyl vehem Karbanosov shokoyen atzmai. Since they were the Karbanos of the Koyen Himself, like we find that the Minchas Koyen Kalil Tiya. Since these were all the Karbanos of the Koyen himself, they are completely consumed in fire, as the Pasuk says, by the Mincha of the Koyen Kalil Tiya. However, then the Chizkuni drops the very interesting possibility. And then he says, Tam Acher Lama Zen Nisraf. Another reason why these carbon Chatois were burnt? Because Chatosu, it is a Chatos. Nesinas tam la It's providing a reason why it was burnt. Because this carbon was came to purify the mizbeach, meaning to inaugurate the mizbeach. nigmar hachitoi rak 
That means the inauguration on the Mizbeach was executed with blood. Nimsa, so it comes out at the time of the Shechita, it was as if there was no Mizbeach. So it's like the carbon went outside, that it wasn't eaten. In other words, what the Cheskuni seems to be saying is that the reason why these carbonists were not eaten is let's think about it. What was the purpose of the carbon? To render the Mizbeach a good Mizbeach. That means before the carbon was brought, it wasn't a good Mizbeach. Which means the carbon technically was not brought on a Mizbeach. So if the carbon wasn't brought on a Mizbeach, you can't eat it. It's so to speak, it's a, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it, before the prophecy is fulfilled, then it's unfulfilled. So the carbon chatas renders it a mezbeach. But if it needs to render it a mezbeach, then it wasn't a carbon. Meaning, you're bringing a carbon to make the mezbeach a good mezbeach. That means before you bring the carbon, it wasn't a good mezbeach. That means you didn't bring the carbon on a good mezbeach. If you didn't bring the carbon on a good mezbeach, how could you eat it? Which leaves us with the interesting question, well, if you can't eat it, then how did you bring it in the first place? And then how is it a good Mizbeach? In other words, if the reason you can't eat it is because the carbon is needed to make it a good Mizbeach, which means when you were bringing the carbon, you weren't bringing on a good Mizbeach. So then, if the carbon can't be eaten because the carbon wasn't brought in a good Mizbeach, then what made it a good Mizbeach? Because you never had a carbon to make it into a good Mizbeach. I mean, this seems to be some kind of simultaneous effectuation. I, I would like to dub this concept. I'm going to coin a new phrase called simultaneous effectuation. And there are examples of this throughout Halacha and throughout Shas of two things that happen simultaneously. Can they be simultaneously effective? and be effectuated? Or do we say as follows? Do we say, well, A causes B. Well, if A causes B, and B is needed to then cause A, then it can't get started. You can't get uh, your first foot forward. In other words, everything in this world has a Siba and a Masoyvev. You have a cause and an effect. If the effect is then needed to be a cause for the cause, then the cause cannot affect the first effect to begin with. So, in other words, if a carbon is needed to make it a good mezbeach, and you need a good mezbeach to render it a good carbon, then you can't have a good carbon in the first place. So I want to share with you three paradoxes in halacha that the Minchas Chinuch discusses as a sort of a way to help our minds adjust to the dilemma that we're facing over here. I remember many years ago, I was at the shira of Rabbi Yonison Sachs, the Rosh Shiva of Beis Medrash Talmud on 150th Street. And he collected a number of the paradoxes mentioned in the Minchas Chinuch that I would like to say over and share with you. The first paradox is found in the... Uh, Minchas Chinuch in Mitzvah Beis Ois Tezayin. And that is, namely, let's say, what's the halacha? You're allowed to do Milan Shabbos. Yeah, we know you're allowed to do Milan Shabbos of Yemesh Mini. Yimar, Yimar Basara Lasai. 
What if it's Mila Shalai Bismana? Are you allowed to do Mila Shalai Bismana on Shabbos? No, you cannot do Mila Shalai Bismana on Shabbos. Is Mila Shalai Bismana on Shabbos a good Mila? No. Because you're not allowed to do it then. And it's Chil Shabbos. So here's the paradox. Why is Mila Shalai Bismana on Shabbos Chil Shabbos? But aren't you being mekalkel? No, you're doing a mila, so you're tikkun. Okay, so if I'm doing a mila and it's tikkun, then the person doing the mila is being mechalo shabbos. If the person doing mechila, the mila is mechalo shabbos, he's a mumar. If he's a mumar, then he's a heretic. If he's a heretic, the mila is not effective. If the mila is not effective, then it's a kilkel. If it's a kilkel, he's not Mechal Shabbos. If he's not Mechal Shabbos, he's a good Jew. If he's a good Jew, give him Shlishi. If you give him Shlishi, he's a good Jew. If he's a good Jew, he could do a Mila. If he could do a Mila, then he's Mechal Shabbos. If he's Mechal Shabbos, he's a Mumar. If he's a Mumar, he's not, it's not a good Mila. If it's not a good Mila, it's a kilkel. If it's a kilkel, then he wasn't Mechal Shabbos. If he wasn't Mechal Shabbos, he's a good Jew. If he's a good Jew, give him after. You give him after, then he could do Mila. If he could do Mila, it's a good Mila, and it's a Tikkun. If it's a Tikkun, he's Mechal Shabbos. If he's Mechal Shabbos, then it's not a good Mila. If it's not a good Mila, he wasn't Mechal Shabbos, then he's a good Jew, and it is a good Mila. So is it a good Mila or not? If it's a good Mila, then he's, he's desecrating Shabbos. And if he's desecrating Shabbos, it's not a good Mila. If it's not a good Mila, then he's not desecrating Shabbos. And if he's not desecrating Shabbos, He's a good Jew and he could do Mila. What's the reason it's not a good Mila? What's the reason it's not a good Mila? It's not a good Mila because it's Chil Shabbos. It's only Chil Shabbos if he's a good Jew, but if it's Chil Shabbos, he's not a good Jew. V'tzarchiyan. Says the Minchas Chinech, V'tarti desasri hadadi. It's a, what we call a Chayzer Chalila, a paradox in Halacha. Or here's another instance. It's the last day of Adar. The 30th day of Adar. Two Adam come and they say, uh, we saw the new moon. It's There are two 12-year-old kids about to become Bar Mitzvah standing there. They become Bar Mitzvah on Rosh Chodesh Adar. Had these two Adam not come, they would have remained not Bar Mitzvah. But because they testify that it's Rosh Chodesh Nisan, these two kids standing there now become Bar Mitzvah. They then testify that how could you guys say it's Rosh Chodesh Nisan, that you saw the new moon, you were with us in Disneyland on the day that you saw, claim you saw the new moon. So they're saying that these Edom are testifying that it's a new moon, are Edom Zoymimin. Well, if they're, if they're Edom Zoymimin, then they can't testify that it's Rosh Chodesh Nisan. If they can't testify that it's Rosh Chodesh Nisan, then these kids are not Bar Mitzvah. If the kids are not Bar Mitzvah, then they can't say they're Edom Zoymimim. Oh, so then they're Kosher Edom. So they could testify that it's Rosh Chodesh. But if they testify it's Rosh Chodesh, they're rendering these two Edom Kosher Edom. Now that these two Edom are Kosher Edom, they're testifying that the Edom who saw the new moon are, are Edom Zoymimim because they were with them. So if they're not good Edom, if they couldn't have testified that it's Rosh Chodesh, then the two kids are not Bar Mitzvah. If they're not Bar Mitzvah, they can't disqualify the Edim. So 
the Edim that say that it's Rosh Chodesh, the implicit in that is they become Edim Zoymimin. But if they become Edim Zoymimin, then they're not Kosher Edim. If they're not Kosher Edim, then the two people that testify about them are not Bar Mitzvah. So what do you do? So you say, okay, so maybe don't accept their testimony. But here's the thing. Right now they walk into Bezdin, there's no reason not to accept their testimony. And Bezdin is commanded to accept the testimony of kosher witnesses, which they are. Right now walking into Bezdin, they're absolutely kosher witnesses. It's just upon the acceptance of their testimony that renders another to Edim, valid Edim, who then testify that the Edim who testified about the new moon are Edim Zaymimim. And therefore the Minchas says, Veheich, how should judges judge such a case of simultaneous effectuation? One last case. If somebody writes on top of something that was already, already written, that's not considered kesiva on Shabbos. But what if it was a get, a get that was written shaloy l'shma? There's a way to make it lishma. If you write on top of it on um, lishma, the get becomes kasher. Now, what if two edim? What if somebody writes on top of the get written shaloi lishma? Let's say somebody writes lishma but writes it on Shabbos. Is that a good get or is that not a good get? Well, if they write on Shabbos, then they become a mumar. If they become a mumar, it's a pasal get. If it's a pasal get, then they're not being koisiv anything because it's already written, and they're not being mashed to the get. So then they weren't mechalo shabbos. So if they weren't mechalo shabbos, they're not a mumar. So if they're not a mumar, they could write the get. But once they write the get, they're desecrating shabbos, and once they desecrate a shabbos, they're disqualifying themselves, and once they're disqualified. Then they're not writing anything, and once they're not writing anything, they're not they're not desecrating Shabbos, and then in that case they're a kosher Jew, and they and then the get is good. So these are what we call three uh, scenarios of paradox and halacha. In other words, the chilul Shabbos makes it that they're not not able to write a get, but if they're not able to write a get, then there's no ksivan Shabbos, and if there's no ksivan Shabbos then they're not a mumar. And if they're not a mumar, they can write the get. So it's a never-ending vicious cycle. But in halacha, there is something called boem ka'achas. For example, if somebody gives a, um, a get to their wife, normally a married woman has no yad. She has no ability to be koinat. Yad ishtoi ki yad baila. A woman picks something up, her husband owns it. A woman does not have a yad to be koina. A woman does not have a chaser. However, upon divorce, a woman gets a yad and a woman gets a chaser. So the question is, the question is, how can one divorce their wife if in order for a woman to get divorced, she has to be koina, the get? But she can't be kind of the get if she has no yad, she has no ability to, to accept something as, a, as an independent entity. 
So how can a man divorce a woman, but the woman doesn't have a yad to accept the get in the first place? So the Gemara Gittin says in Dafayin Zayin Amud Beis, Rava Amar Kitai Viyadai Ba'in Ka'achas. Her document of divorce allows her to have a yad, and the fact that she has a yad allows her to accept her document of divorce. So these are two things. A is dependent on B. Her being divorced is dependent on her having a yad. Her having a yad is dependent on her being divorced. So how could she get a yad before she's divorced? So we say simultaneous effectuation. But now the million dollar question is, why did the Chizkuni say that the reason you can't eat the carbon chatas, the reason why the chatas chitsoino was burnt and not eaten, is because how can you be makriv a chatas to inaugurate the Mizbeach, if so long as the Mizbeach is not inaugurated, then you can't bring a carbon chatos. So the chatos was invalid, and therefore you can't eat it. Well, why can't we say, chatosoy v'mizbeachoy ban ka'achas? That in order for it to be a good carbon chatos, you need a Mizbeach. In order for it to be a Mizbeach, you need a good carbon chatos. So let it happen simultaneously. Obviously it works that it's a good carbon, so if it's a good carbon, why can't you eat it? So this is the question of Rabbi Yosef Engel, the great Goin. Rabbi Yosef Engel in the Sefer Beis Ha'oitzar, Ma'areches Beis, Klal Tes, Bo'an Ke'echad. Yedidi, Rav Hersh Friedman, Mi sampeh ba'adam umi yasum ilayim. That's what we're looking for. Yeah, please, please mute yourself. As Moshe Rabbeinu says, umi yasum ilayim. Anyway, um, that's the question. Why can't we say that the Cheskuni seems to be saying you can't eat the carbon chatos because the chatos is needed to be machshel mizbeach? but it's not a Mizbeach yet, and therefore the Chattas is no good, let them come simultaneously. So this is a question dealt with by Rabbi Yosef Engel, and uh, they're now republishing many, many of the Svarm of Rabbi Yosef Engel. My good friend, Rav Hersh Friedman of Mansi, has a Machon that's republishing the Svarm of Rabbi Yosef Engel. They just came out with Oitzreis Yosef on Shavius, and the um Republishing many, many of his farm. If anybody wants to have the zchus of uh, being involved in the publication of Yosef Engel's Svarim, then um, contact the Machon Oyave Teira of Muncie, New York, Rav Hersh Friedman. And um, it's uh, Rav Yosef Engel uh, gave a haftacha and a promise that those who help publish his Svarim, he will be. Mamlets for them in the Olam HaElyon. Anyway, this comes from the Sefer Beis HaOitzar. And Rabbi Yosef Engel is uh, dealing with this very um, perplexing and complex issue of, on the one hand, obviously the carbon that was brought was a valid carbon. That means we say regarding the carbon, even though the carbon is inaugurating the Mizbeach the the carbon is valid because it it simultaneously effectuates the kashrus of the mizbeach and its own kashrus 
And nevertheless, the Chizkuni is saying, but the, they couldn't eat the carbon. Why is that? So Rabbi Yosef Engel says something really out of this world. He says, if the Chizkuni says that the purification took place with the blood, that means at the time of the Shechita, there wasn't a carbon. That implies that at the end of the day, the Mizbech was purified. And even though the purification is what's Mekadesh the Mizbeach and rendering it a Mizbeach, but we don't consider the purification that it was not done on a Mizbeach because we say the purification and the Mizbeach happened simultaneously. So that means it was purified on a Mizbeach. So then why can't you, why regarding the Shechita are you not able to say that the Shechita also simultaneously was Machshin Mizbeach. So perhaps maybe one would have said that, well, there's a difference between the Shechita and the purification. The Shechita took place before the Mizbeach was purified. So that means regarding the Shechita, it was like Shechted Mibachutz. But the purification, which is simultaneous to the effectuation of the Mizbeach, that, in fact, did happen simultaneously with the Mizbeach becoming effectuated. But then if the Shechita is not good, then the Mizbeach should not be good. So Rabbi Yosef Engel says something that's really out of this world. He says, we know in Halacha there's a concept of Basachas, that a person could divorce a woman, he could give her a get. He's giving a get to a woman who has no yad. And, but by giving her the get, she gets a yad. So that means the effectiveness of the get and her acquiring a yad happens simultaneously. So there is a concept of gitoi v'yadabankach. There's a concept that when A causes B, and B is needed to cause A, they could both happen simultaneously. That doesn't work in every realm, says Rabbi Yosef Engel. The only way you could have something called Ba'en Ka'achas, that A causes B, even though B is needed to cause A, so how did A cause B to begin with? That's only in the realm of heaven, in something relevant to God. Because something can only happen simultaneously. If A is needed to cause B, and yet A can't get off the ground if B isn't here, that is only philosophically and ideologically possible in the realm of HaKadosh Baruch Hu who exists beyond the confines of time. So in the, in the realm of God, you could have the concept of Bas Achas, that A causes B even though A cannot be, A cannot exist without B causing it. But in the realm of God, in the, in, the, in the realm of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who exists beyond the confines of time. Because since HaKadosh Baruch Hu created time, He's not bound by its confines. So whatever is relevant to God, it could happen b'vasachas. So you could, God needs a mezbeach because the mishkan requires a mezbeach. And even though you can't have a mezbeach without a carbon, but the carbon can't be affected without a mezbeach, God says, no problem, that's, this is my business. In my business, things can happen simultaneously. Even though A causes B, and A can't exist without B causing it, God says, uh, I, I can navigate that time issue. Because the confines, the restrictions of time, do not apply to me. I created it, and I transcend it. 
But regarding the Kohen eating the carbon, that's something relevant to flesh and blood, to man. Man is bogged down. Man is governed by the restrictions and confines of time. So regarding the Mizbeach, it's a Kosher Mizbeach. Even though it's only Mizbeach if it's a good carbon. And it's not a good carbon unless you had a Mizbeach to bring it on. Nevertheless, God says, I can navigate that issue. I exist beyond the restrictions of time. But you don't. And therefore, you can't eat the carbon. So it's a good mizbeach regarding the carbon vis-a-vis me, but it's not a good mizbeach regarding the carbon vis-a-vis you. Because you live lakol zaman va'ez. You live under the tachas hashemesh. You live under the sun. You're governed by the movement of the sun. I ain't governed by that. I created lakol zaman va'ez. That's the approach of Rabbi Yosef Engel that the concept of Bas Achas is only applicable in the realm of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not in the realm of flesh and blood, and therefore that's the meaning of the Chizkuni, that while it's a good, the power, Chitzoyna is a valid carbon, it's only good vis-a-vis creating the Mizbeach relative to God, but not relative to the Kayin who wants to eat it. So, Rebbe, then why would he say that get works? Ah. Uh, so Michael's asking, so then how could a get work? Because the get is seemingly in the realm of man, in the, in the interaction between husband and wife. This is a human, uh, a human interaction. So then we should not apply the rule of basachas. So to that, Rabbi Yosef Engel says, this is very um, sublime, and you can't compare one case to the next, and... This is one of the uh, highest realms of Jewish thought, and there's no extrapolation, and this is just how it works by the carbon chatas of the miluim. However, the rugged shaver addresses this question. The question that Michael's asking. Yes. Right, Evan Meshuchra, how do you free your slave? He has no yad. So you say, give him a document of severance. Yeah, but. He doesn't have a yad. Yeah, but he'll get one after he gets to get shikhar. But you, how do you give it to him in the first place? Well, the good part about not asking the question about the Eved is we don't have to answer that question because the answer seems only to work for the case of get, but it's hard to see how it works for the case of Eved Meshuchar. So Rabbi Rachmiel's question, we might not have a good answer for. But let's say over the Raghachavar. The Raghachavar is found in Parshas Lech Lecha. Here's another paradox. Um, so you have a Gentile, he wants to convert. There's no moil in the city. The Gentile happens to be the moil. Could the Gentile circumcise himself? So that's another um, imponderable of the Minchas Chinuch, and he says, uh, it's Pashur, it cannot work. How could he circumcise himself? He's a guy, as long as he uh, is not Malvatavah. However, the Minchas Chinuch says, according to the Poiskim, that Tevila and then Mila helps by a ger, so maybe if he goes to the mikvah first, he could circumcise himself. But, so now the question is, yeah, but didn't Avraham circumcise himself? So the Pasuk says, Ve'avraham ben Tishim b'seisha shana b'hi ma'ilai b'sara 
And there's an ancient version of Rashi that Avraham took the knife and he grabbed the arla and he wanted to cut it. God held his hand and cut with him. Shenemar, the Chorois, Imoy, Habris, I cut with him the bris. Says it's Safnas Paneach. He says, um, let me see if I can read it better in mind. He says, since before Mila, Avraham was a guy. How could he do it himself? It's, uh, how could he make himself a Yisrael v'yava ke'echad? And says the Ragged Shavar, the Geder of when you could say Baka'achas is that only works by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem, who is the essence of Yichud, like the Rambam says. Now, only God could do things simultaneously. So how does Gittin work? Says so the Rav Gittin is godly. Like Chazal say in the Yushalmi, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is meyachid shemoy on the Kedushin and the Get. And therefore it's an effectuation of the Divine, not an effectuation of man. That's what the Yushalmi says. Lamadnu goyim ein lam Kedushin, ma'ashelam gerushin. So the Gemara says, um, so the Raghur seems to be addressing the question that has been asked, namely, how can, if Basachas is only possible in the realm of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how could we say, Gita V'yadar Ban Ka'achas, to which the Raghur says, the Yushalmi teaches us that the Chalois, the effectuation of a Get, is a divine divinely created effectuation, and therefore it can in fact happen simultaneously. So this is a very uh, wondrous idea, that regarding the carbon chatos, it's an effective carbon regarding inaugurating the Mizbeach, and rendering it a mishkan, because in the realm of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you can do things bevasachas, where A causes B, and B is needed to cause A to exist. But that is only effective regarding the spiritual realm and not regarding the person himself. Why? Because God is not bound by time. Now this is a very important concept that I just want to speak about briefly. You know, we know that there's an idea that we're supposed to do mitzvahs bezrizos, with alacrity, with energy, not to waste time. The simple meaning is, simple reason is, because if we allow time to elapse, Maybe we'll encounter a hurdle and we won't end up doing it. The Maral says there's a more fundamental reason why we have to do mitzvahs energetically quickly. He says that every mitzvah is a command of the divine, of, of God. And God exists beyond the confines of time. And therefore His command and His word is also an eternal command. And in order to be true to the activity that one is being engaged, what one is engaged in, in order to be, um, in order to be loyal, in order to be true to what one is occupied in, if one does it slowly, with bogged down, then they obviously are not 
recognizing what they're involved in. They're involved in something that exists beyond the confines of time. So therefore, in order to be appropriately executing this type of activity, it has to be executed in a godly way, namely, obviously we can't do things so quickly that they don't take time, but as much as possible to do it with the least elapsing of time as possible, that is the most uh, appropriate way to perform a mitzvah. And this is something that Avraham Avinu taught the world, that not only did God create the world, but God is the God of time. And time is a creation. And God exists outside of the the confines of this creation. When Avraham Avinu planted a tree in Beersheba, and he called out, B'Shem Hashem Keol Oilam. Says the Svarno, V'kara V'hoidiya L'Rabim. He made it known. Sha'akel Yisale. Hu Hazman. God made it known that God is the, Avram made it known that Hashem is the God of time. And He fashioned time. As in contradistinction to the sages of the nations of the world, who say, no, time always existed. One of the most fundamental tenets of Judaism, aside from the existence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created time and exists outside of time. In fact, the Rambam says, the second most important principle in Judaism is that God created time. The Rambam says in the Marnevuchim, Parak Beis Ha'os Yud Gimel, that the first Hashkafa is, the world in all of its fullness, anything that is found in this world, prat Lashem, save for God, Hashem Himsiyoi, God fashioned it, Achar Heder after absolute vacuum. So the first, most, the most important principle in Judaism is creation ex nihilo, that God created all matter after nothing existed. And that means that the only thing that exists inherently is God. Everything else exists circumstantially because God decided it should exist. And if He didn't decide it should exist, it wouldn't exist. But we don't exist inherently. The way we should view it is, Kiviyachal, draw like one of these comic uh, bubbles. We're in the bubble. We're in the bubble because the one talking, Kihu Amar Vayahi, decided to make that bubble and to talk. And if he didn't decide, we wouldn't be in that bubble. So he exists perforce inherently, we exist circumstantially. That is the most important principle in Judaism. The second most important principle is that part of that bubble, part of that creation, is time. And he fashioned all of these all of these uh, creations the way they are by his desire or at Sinai from nothing time itself is one of those elements of creation. Time is an adjunct to movement. 
And movement is a creation. The movement of the sun, the movement of the celestial bodies, the movement of the orbs of the heavens, the movement of the earth, which creates time, is a creation. And time is an adjunct to that, to movement. And says the Rambam, the Al-Yala B'Lub Chazula said, don't let it arise in your mind anything but this, this principle, the principle of the creation of time by God is the second most important principle, second only to the unity of the Creator. And you wonder, why is it so vital? Why is it so important? Why is it so fundamental to believe that God created time? This takes us to another Rambam. The Rambam in Hilchas Tshuva where the Rambam asks the fundamental question, if God knows, God knows everything that will be before it occurs. God knows what will happen in the Ukraine. God knows what will be with the economy. God knows all future events. God knows that this tzaddik or this, this person will be a tzaddik, this people or Russia. Now question, if God knows that Reuven will be a tzaddik, that, that means Reuven has to be a tzaddik. So no, maybe Reuven could still be a Russia. Well, if he could still be a Russia, then God doesn't know. And if we say that God knows, so then Reuven then is compelled to be a tzaddik. Now, does God know Shimon's going to be a Russia? Oh yeah, God knows. Well, then Shimon is compelled. Now, but Shimon could still be a tzaddik. Well, then God doesn't know. That's the question of the Rambam. Does God have foreknowledge or does He not? If He does, then everyone's compelled. I remember I was once giving a shir, and I asked, does Judaism believe in free choice? And a, a guy, a God-fearing Shomer Shabbos Jew, said, of course not. Everything is controlled by God. So here he had a Jew. He learned Gemara every day. And until that shir, he was a heretic. He was an apikairis. Because he, he ate gefilte fish on Shabbos, and he even wore tzitzis, and he was Makbed on Gebrakst, and all the very important things. However, he was not a mammon in the Torah. Why? Because he didn't believe in Bechir Chavshis. Luckily, after the Shir, he was converted into a believing Jew. But one of the te- most uh, fundamental tenets is Bechir Chavshis. But the Rambam is asking, where does Bechir Chavshis come in? If God knows, then the person's compelled. And the Rambam says, you should know, The answer to this question is longer than the land and wider than the sea. And there are many important principles that hinge upon this. But you should know that I say, that we already explained, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's knowledge is different than our knowledge. God's knowledge is not subjective, superimposed, external knowledge. It's not like we know things. We know things because we happen to know them. And if we didn't know them, we wouldn't know them. We just happen to, ha- to know what we, do- what we know. However, God doesn't know things because He happens to know them. He knows them perforsely. And this is what it means, Our thoughts are not His thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And therefore we can't understand how God knows and yet gives a person opportunity to choose freely. Comes the Ravid and the Ravid says, What? 
What is the Rambam saying? The Rambam has not accorded himself in the manner of Chachamim because the Rambam began with a question and he did not supply an answer. What do you mean? God doesn't know things the way we know. If you're not going to give a satisfactory answer, don't leave the people hanging. Don't ask the question, the Ravid says. What does the Rambam mean? And the Tferis Yisrael says, no, the Rambam answered the question. The Tferis Yisrael explains the Mishnah, HaKal Tzafoy, everything is known from the beginning, but Vaharashas Nasuna, but free choice is given. The Tferis Yisrael explains, don't say, if God knew yesterday that today I would sin, then I was compelled to sin. Says, no, the Tferis Yisrael, no, that's if God's knowledge was like our knowledge where our knowledge falls under the restrictions of time. So if we're going to know what the future will be, then that is a compelled outcome. But God exists beyond the future, beyond the past. He's haya haya v'yia simultaneously. So the fact that He knows the future doesn't mean you were compelled to choose that way. Now that's very difficult for us to understand because we can't, Imagine what a world would be like without time. But God lives beyond it. To Him, the past, future, and present are all the same. Says the Tzvar Sisro, this is precisely the Rambam's answer to the Ravid's question, and to his question. How can God know the future and yet a person not compelled? The answer is because God exists in the future and knows what you will choose, but you could still choose it. And that is why, Rabbi Sai, the concept that God created time is the second most important concept in Judaism. Because the first, uh, the most basic concept is the Yichud Hashem. But after that, it's all about one thing. It's about our actions in this world. And therefore, the most important principle in our realm is that we have absolute free choice to think, to feel, to do, to say, and nothing compels us. God does not prod us. He does not guide us. He does not suggest to us. But we have absolute free choice. Look at Rashi in the beginning of Ayetze. Rashi says, Why didn't... Hashem remind Yaakov of Inu when he passed by the Makam HaMikdash, say, hey Yaakov, maybe you want to stop here? Rashi says, which means, if Yaakov didn't think to stop in the Makam HaMikdash, God says, I'm going to stop him. Says A person has free choice. Not only will God not stop Yaakov of Inu, God will not even remind Yaakov of Inu that maybe this is not a good idea. And therefore, this is in fact the second most important principle in Judaism. There is a Rebbein Shalom, and He created time. And therefore, this lambdas of Gitoi v'yadoi ba'en ka'achas, mizbeach v'karben chatosai ba'en ka'achas, is a very fundamental tenet in Judaism, which can only be understood recognizing that the Rebbein Shalom is the one who created time. This past uh, winter, I had the zechus to visit Yushalayim Rakhodesh, and I visit I visit Yedidi Rabbi Yitzchak Sokol, 
of um, the Ir Ho'atika, and we went up to his roof, where he has a studio, and it's overlooking the Har Habayis and the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And Rabbi Yitzchak told me, a vart from the Mekubalim, the Mekubalim say, when we say in Asher Yatsar, She'em yipaseach echad mehem, O yisaseim echad mehem, that's where I stop. I don't say Afilu Shayachas. Nosuch Ashkenaz is Iev Shalis Gayim Vlaamoid Lefanecha. Nosuch Svarad adds Afilu Shayachas. Literally, we mean if God would open up something that should be closed or close something that should be open, we couldn't exist even for a moment. But there's a much deeper meaning. The world could not exist. You know what can't exist? Even the concept of a minute couldn't exist. Even the creation of time couldn't exist. Without the constant intervention of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Not only could the human being not exist, the idea, the concept of Shoechos couldn't exist. So not only did God create the concept of time, the concept of time is recreated every moment. Hashem is infusing life into the concept and the creation of time. So you say, well, wait a second. If God's creation of time is so fundamental and important, then there should be like some, I don't know, Pasuk somewhere, or a Mishnah on Perkei Avais, that God created time. Why doesn't it say it anywhere that God created time? I don't know, maybe there should be a Gemara in Yavamis, like after Daf Tzadi Vav somewhere, that God created time. So I'm going to teach you, I'm going to share with you. There happens to be a Pasuk that you might be familiar with that conveys this idea that God created time. Maybe you got up to this Pasuk. I'll tell you, it's, it's pretty early on in the Chumash, so you may have gotten there. Bereshis bara Eloikim Literally, Rashi says, Bereshis can't mean in the beginning, because it's Davuk. In the beginning of what? So Rashi says, Ein Omer Ela Darsheni. This Pasuk has to be Darshaned. Bishvil Torah Shenikra Rashis. Bishvil Yisrael Shenikra Rashis. However, there has to be a Pashat Pshad, an elementary reading of the Pasuk. Bereshis bara Eloikim. And in fact, Comes the Goin, comes the Malbim, comes the Talmidei Hagra, Bereshis, time, beginnings. Beginnings are a concept that exists only in the framework of time. Bereshis, time, Bara Elohim, God created. Or, Bereshis, together with the concept of time, so there are two similar ways to read it. Either God created time, or together with the concept of time. The Gra writes in Adar Yo. The base is a base zmani, like biyoim, because man itself was created. Where the Malbim says Bereshis im. Horatius Shenivra Shuazman with beginnings that were created then, which is time. You know, we say in Davening, 
Baruch Oisa Bereshis. Or Losses Gedula Liyoitzer Bereshis. What does it mean? That HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Yoitzer Bereshis. Oisa Bereshis. You know, we're not saying he's Oisa Masa Bereshis. Masa Bereshis would imply, who's there? Oisa Masa Bereshis would imply, Oisa Masa Bereshis would imply that Hashem makes the, uh, the works of creation, the acts of creation, the, the Bria. But what is it in Liyoitzer Bereshis? The creator of in the beginning? It's the language Tamua. It should say Liyoitzer Bereshis, not Liyoitzer Bereshis. And without the word Masa, it's impossible to uh, understand these words. So the, in the Siddur Hagra, in the Isha Yisrael, they interpret the Yoytzer to the creator of time. That when it refers to Masa Bereshis, that refers to all the creations that were created in six days. When it says Oyser Bereshis, or Yoytzer Bereshis, that refers to Hashem's creation of time. And the reason why this is so important, not only because this explains the Lamdos of Gitoi V'yadoi Ban Ka'achas, but the concept of Hashem's creation of time really allows for the most important concept of Judaism, namely the fact that we have Bechira Chavshis and that nothing compels us in our decisions and in our choices, and that is what leaves Makkah for Scharva Oynash. thank you for joining us today. Wishing everyone a wonderful day. Bracha Vahatzlacha. And, uh, Call to everyone. Thanks for joining. Be well. Baruch Thank you. Thank you. Call to. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.